Hi, I'm Clarissa, and you are listening to Listen and Know, a premenstrual disorder health podcast. This podcast is for women who are struggling with premenstrual disorders, PMDs. I'll be talking about everything from symptoms to treatments to coping strategies. If you're new to PMDs, you're not alone. Millions of women around the world suffer from these conditions, and yet PMDs are still relatively unknown and misunderstood. That's why I'm here. I want to raise awareness of PMDs and help women who are struggling to find the support they need. I'll be releasing new episodes every week, so be sure to subscribe and leave me a rating and a review. And if you have any questions or topics that you'd like me to cover, please let me know. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join me on this journey to better understand and manage PMDs. Please note, this podcast might bring up topics that are sensitive in nature because we share personal experiences with PMDs. Welcome back, you guys. This is episode number two of season two. And today we are talking about menstrual cycles here at Listen and Know. I wanted to give a basic overview of menstrual cycles just due to the fact that uh, this is this is all related to premenstrual disorders. And if we are focusing on that, we need to have a basic understanding of what is normal uh, for female biochemistry and then be able to go from that basic understanding and dive into things that um, are deeper. And then we can dive into more disorders specifically. Um, so we need to just have that, you know, basic awareness and understanding. So we're going to talk about what a menstrual cycle is, what happens during each phase of the cycle and a little bit of how to track your cycle. Um, we're going to discuss some of the common myths and misconceptions about the menstrual cycle as well to just kind of touch base on those ill beliefs. Um, okay. So what is the menstrual cycle? The menstrual cycle is a monthly process that prepares the body for pregnancy in case a, an egg is fertilized. It starts on the first day of your period. So that's day one and ends on the day before your next period starts. So uh, usually it's between 26 to 32 days. That's fairly normal. Um, and it should be fairly consistent in timing to consider it a normal menstrual cycle. And that varies, you know, a little bit from woman to woman and from age to age as well. So and we'll get into those things eventually on here, which I'm so excited to share and educate about. All right. So 49% of our population, uh, has, is female and 25% of our population has a menstrual cycle. So there's 25%. So half of females menstruate and half of females don't. However, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have female hormones or the levels of female hormones or need to understand what menstruation looks like just due to the fact that everybody has a female in their life. So, um, when we're talking female hormones, female biochemistry, female hormones, men and women both have about 55 hormones in their bodies. But the difference between male biochemistry and female biochemistry is those are the levels of each hormone in their body. So women uh, are born 
and have higher estrogen and progesterone along with some other minor hormones than male counterparts who the males have more testosterone in their bodies. Okay. And that's generalizing the population. Everyone has somebody who has female biochemistry in their lives, right? If we have 49% of our population being female born, it's important to understand female biochemistry because we're relating to it in so many different aspects, socially and at work and at home, um, in relationships, as well as the understanding that females, because of those 28 days, that cycle that on any given day, any given female is going to be different in hormonal levels than any other day during the month. So on the first day of March, it's going to look a lot different than the second day of March for that same female. But then another female could be in a completely different part of her cycle on the first day of March and the second day of March. So females vary across the board. I think that that's one of the reasons why we see, uh, maybe our culture making fun of or being unsure of how females are going to be acting and how it can be different from day to day or different from female to female because those hormones have a huge effect on our ability to socialize and our ability to think straight and our ability to uh, respond and interact with the world. And so having this understanding, I think would take away that stigma of females being volatile um, just because there will be an awareness and an understanding. So let's talk a little bit about the, just the science of the menstrual cycle. And so the menstrual cycle is divided into four phases. I want to put out there. I have a great online on-demand course called teen hormones, um, that talks all about the menstrual cycle in a really awesome and fun way for, teenagers and women and men who probably don't have this education can relate to the menstrual cycle. And it's a great, uh, unique way that as you talk about it, it allows you to have discussion within your home or, uh, within friendship circles where there's an understanding and a respect for it. Um, I would recommend going to, uh, purchase that class. I think it's like 10 bucks and you can go get it and you can watch it over and over again and use that to help educate your children, which I think would be, this is Clarissa 101 here, but I think this would be a much better route of hitting a maturation class for girls and boys to have more courses like this, which I'm hoping to create more in the future, but to have more courses like this so that uh, there's a better respect and understanding than just uh, prevention and just general overview and making negative of the changes that our bodies go through. Because I think that the menstrual cycle is fascinating. It is amazing once we start understanding it. And for all the classes I've taught uh, from youth ages, you know, 10 and 11, all the way up to men that I've discussed in uh, discuss this concept and this, this, uh, PMDs in, um, podcasts with all the, you know, all the way up to, I've taught aging classes, how to age gracefully and, and embrace aging. And in all of these courses, everybody's fascinated by the things that they learn about their own bodies. Um, 
and they just eat it up and they want more of that. And so this is, this is where you're going to get that. <laughs> All right. So back on track. Um, the menstrual cycle is divided into four phases. The first phase is the menstrual phase. That is the phase of the menstrual cycle where your period starts. So that is literally day one. So the first day a female starts to bleed is day one. And, um, it goes through an average is like five to seven days of bleeding. But again, that's going to vary between women and that's going to vary between what age you are. And we want to make sure that we're more consistent than something that is very variable. For example, uh, bleeding for three days and then the next period bleeding for 10 or, um, bleeding for five days and then not bleeding for 60 days. So we want to look for those abnormalities compared to what is quote unquote normal in the science right now for the general population. So the menstrual cycle starts, uh, day one, when the menstrual, when your period starts, when you start to bleed. Now, with that being said, there's a second phase that also starts. So there's two big phases, and then there's two mini phases in those two big phases. You can kind of divide it up into quarters, but in all reality, it's two halves with little phases in those two halves, one each in each of those halves. So the very first big phase is the follicular phase that starts on day one as well. And that runs till ovulation. So about day 14. Um, during this phase, the body prepares for ovulation by producing estrogen and progesterone. So we start extremely low in our hormone levels and it rises to ovulation, kind of like you're climbing a mountain, just straight up. Um, the very first half of the follicular phase is the menstrual cycle, right? Day one is the bleed that those first five to seven days is when a female is most like a male because her hormones are all low enough at a ratio where testosterone is about level with progesterone and estrogen. So if a female wants to participate in a more male-like activity or more, more male-like behavior, the week of her menstrual cycle is actually the week that she needs to do that. I can't wait to get into something like intermittent fasting, where we talk about that and hormones, but intermittent fasting is best utilized during the time when women are most like males. Um, that's when you can get the best bang for your buck in intermittent fasting, or even like a keto diet because hormones are lower and level and testosterone is higher in ratio compared to when it is the rest of the cycle. So, but then after we hit day five or seven, and we go from five or seven to 14, that the end of the follicular phase, that's not a good time for a female to implement some of the things and behaviors as a male biochemistry would, because we are female and we are different. So that's something to watch in the follicular phase, you know, day, uh, after the first couple of days of your period, when your body, uh, hits those normal, natural hormone lows we start to get a lot of energy. So the first half, you know, the first phase, big phase, the follicular phase is a period of high energy, great time to socialize and get projects, you know, worked on and plan for the future. And you have hope and it just feels great. And you feel like you're alive and have a lot of energy. 
we would consider the menstrual phase more winter and the follicular phase kind of spring, um, where when, you know, the, the tulips start popping out of the ground, we get this hopefulness and this excitement, this bright green type of feeling and, and things come alive. And, and so that's, that's how we relate to the follicular phase, um, after the menstrual phase ends. So then we have, we move into the ovulation phase. So ovulation is when a female body releases an egg from the ovary and it travels down, uh, the fallopian tube into the uterus. It's the, it's the ovulation is a mini phase in the second big phase. So it technically is the third phase, but it's only a little part of the second big phase. Um, ovulation is, let's see, we would consider this like summer social and where words come easy and we can talk easy. And the reason being is because female biochemistry, whether you like it or not, you're built for this, you're built to fertilize that egg. And so we become more charismatic and more connective and magnetic to, uh, male counterparts. And what's so interesting about this, they have taken, they've done a study. I need to pull it up and put it in the show notes, but they did a study where they took pictures of females in their four different phases, just smiling, you know, just a normal smile and multiple females. And then they had males look at each of those four pictures for each person and pick which one of those photos was the most attractive to them and did not fail. Each male picked the female whose picture was taken during the ovulation phase. So there's something to be said about that glow and that excitement that is happening within your body that people can visually see whether or not they connect into that. Plus, again, we have this more magnetive uh, energy that comes about um, during this phase. So ovulation is like summer, you know, you think about like the community's out, you're socializing, days are long and nights are warm and, you know, just that, just that whole stereotypical summer. Like that is exactly what ovulation is. And the ovulation phase is only like three to four days when the egg is released. That's a period of possible fertilization where then that egg will implant into the uterus. And if it's fertilized, then you're pregnant. And if it's not, then you're not pregnant, but the it's, it's a very small phase, but it's a very big one within that ovulation phase. So from the day you ovulate and till the end of your cycle, when your period starts again. So we're just going to generalize day 14 to day 28. That is actually called the luteal phase. That's the second big phase of the two phases in a female cycle, female menstrual cycle. Um, this luteal phase starts when ovulation begins, but technically we don't experience the side effects of that until ovulation ends. And during this phase, the body prepares for the possibility of that egg being fertilized by producing progesterone. So if you think about it, when you ovulate from the day you ovulate, your body thinks it's pregnant. Now, if you can generalize and take the symptoms or side effects of being pregnant and remember that even if you aren't pregnant, your body has to prepare 
in case that it is because it wants life to survive. We can then understand why there are so many side effects to those last two weeks of the menstrual cycle, especially if you aren't taking care of your health uh, mentally and physically and emotionally, because your body technically is thinking it's pregnant and making sure that it is doing everything it can for that fertilized egg, that life to survive. So the progesterone starts going up and when it peaks, when that progesterone peaks, that is the end of the luteal phase, the, uh, last four to five days. So from like day 23 or 24 down, that's where the progesterone starts dropping if you aren't pregnant, if you are pregnant, the progesterone keeps going up to tell your body not to have a menstrual cycle to get rid of that egg. But instead, if you aren't pregnant and the progesterone starts dropping, that signals to your body, you aren't pregnant and it can slough off all of that, uh, tissue that it has been building up in case it was pregnant. So the last five or six days of your luteal phase of your whole 28 day cycle can be very, um, emotionally low. Your body's worked so hard. In fact, it's been said that the energy that the female uses to take care of her body during the luteal phase is like running a marathon every single day, um, just to keep that egg alive in case it is fertilized. And so if the progesterone starts dropping, we start getting that moodiness because it's shifting so fast. It, it jumps from a very high level to a very low level. Remember we turn into, we don't turn into, but we go back to baseline where we're a lot like men. Men don't have hardly any progesterone. They don't need it. They're not going to be pregnant. And so nearly as much. So they don't need that hormone nearly as much. So it's very low in their bodies. So as that drops and that shift happens and our body starts going from, which I didn't explain. So the luteal phase is fall. It's where it's the harvest. It's where things look vibrant and lovely. And then they start to decay. And we feel that returning back to the earth in for the menstrual phase, right? For the bleed. And so that those four or five days can be very uh, low, very pulling in, like you just need to sleep and rest and get ready for hibernation, essentially, when we talk about the menstrual phase being winter. So as the, as the luteal phase comes to a close, that's usually where we see PMDs of uh, premenstrual exasperation and, um, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which is what I have. And so the last, you know, six or seven days before your period is that progesterone peaks. And then as it drops, it creates so much shift in hormonal levels that there is that abnormal reaction to those normal levels. And that's where we see the symptoms of PMD so heavily, um, even just PMS in general is those last five or six days, uh, before the menstrual cycle starts. So isn't that like, so neat when you understand that, then what is so cool is you can start tracking your menstrual cycle in many different ways. You can start tracking it. And so then we have, um, the ability to know when those low days are and plan for them because you then get educated on 
what that looks like for your body. You clue into how your body handles it. Then you clue into some tips and tricks and tools that I can give you as a coach or somebody else and be able to utilize that as your superpower. Each of these four phases in the menstrual cycle that we've talked about all come with a really awesome superpower that we can eventually talk about as we dive into these individual phases deeper. Um, okay. So ways to track your menstrual cycle. You can use a period tracker app. I use an app called flow F L O. Um, it works. Okay. It's not my favorite. There's some ads on it. I guess you could pay for the Atlas one. I also don't like some of the suggestions that pop up in, uh, on my phone. I like that. It will say like today you're close to your period. You might feel a little bit bloated, but what I don't like is when it's, uh, gives suggestions outside of the menstrual cycle, for example, how to make your intimate life more, uh, more exciting. Um, because I, when I look at that, I wouldn't want a teenager to be using that. So if you're okay with that and you can just swipe that off, or if you need those in your relationship, that's fine but it's not something I would want my daughters to use. Um, instead, there's also the ability to track on different watches like Fitbit and Apple and, and Google watches that they, they have the ability to track your menstrual cycle. So I like that that's coming along. The Fitbit's still a little bit behind. It doesn't always sync well. And so sometimes it will switch when my menstrual cycle is. So that's why I still use the flow app. Um, you can use like a calendar just on, uh, you know, print off a calendar or just a Google calendar. I used to mark the week that would be hard for me so that my family would know, okay, this is mom's red week, or this is mom's green week. Like she's going to be super excited and hopeful. And it's the time for us to go do activities because she's going to have good energy versus the red week. When I'm experiencing PMDD, uh, it's a really bad week for me. And so that just signals to my family, uh, where I'm at. So we've done that in the past, but most of the time they're, they're my family's to the point where like, I can just tell them, okay, okay. This is going to be a red week for me. Um, you can do like just a planner. I know that my daughter, she'll like circle days where her period starts. She'll cross out days where she has like PMS symptoms or she's cramping, you know, the little, little symbols and signs that you can create your own key to, um, that's super helpful. If like your kid doesn't have, you know, if your child doesn't have any apps on their phone, ours doesn't. So, um, and then some other things that you can do is understanding your body a little bit better. You can track your cycle by actually taking your temperature every single day. So if you want to do this in a more natural way, when our bodies, when female bodies ovulate, remember when that egg is released. Uh, body temperature actually goes up number one, to keep that egg alive, but number two, it's working harder. And so it's burning more energy. So your body temperature actually is going to go up. So if you tracked your temperature every single day, when you saw an uptick in temperature and a, then a consistency of that uptick, uh, you're more likely in your luteal phase. You can also track moods. Um, this is something that I have a daughter who has not started her cycle, but she's getting close. Um, we can see it in physical development that she's probably pretty close. And so like, I'll write in my calendar, uh, some notes of her moods and her sleep, uh, usually in the luteal phase, that second half of the phase, women need more sleep. They're working harder. Um, they're a little more cranky. It helps with mood stabilization. 
Um, and they just need to kind of, you know, again, hibernate a little bit. So you can track it by your sleep. You can track it by your mood. You can track it by your cravings. Again, as our body works harder and our temperature is higher, we are going to find that we need more calories to be able to have that energy level stay consistent, which our body loves our mind and body love consistency. And so as there's the uptick in temperature, as there's the egg released in ovulation, our bodies are going to crave more. Um, so there's many different ways to track your cycle. So even if you don't have a bleed, you can start tracking these things, um, and start maybe honing in on what your body is like and what your cravings are like. And, um, I love that there's many different ways for many different females and circumstances and lifestyles. I definitely find the easiest thing is as a, a tracker app be just because I forget so easily to maybe write something down or it's just on my phone and it's always there. When I schedule appointments, I actually will always pull up my tracker app as well as my calendar and make sure that, you know, I'm not doing like a physical therapy appointment on my hips the first day of my period. Cause that would just be awkward or a uh, laser hair removal during my period. Or, um, even sometimes when I find that I'm during like my PMDD time, I don't want to schedule things. I want to be able to rest. And so I will make sure and not schedule, uh, social events during the time that I am feeling low, uh, for my PMDs. So super helpful. All right. So now let's talk about some myths and misconceptions about the menstrual cycle. So some people believe that women are quote unquote unclean during their um, cycle during their period. So the time that they bleed, and this is not true. Women are just as clean uh, during their period as they are during any other time of the month. Again, this is something normal and natural for the female body in order to create life. It is, it is science. And in my belief, it is divine creation so that we can continue on creating generations and family trees that connect us together as people. There are, um, other beliefs that women can't get pregnant during their period. That's actually wrong. So when you are bleeding, uh, it's possible that that unfertilized egg is still hanging around and you can possibly get pregnant during that time. And in all generality, women can get pregnant pretty much any time during their cycle. Uh, they are just more likely to get pregnant during ovulation. If there is a healthy, fresh egg released, um, that egg is only supposed to live five to seven days, three to five days, somewhere in there. However, there's always an anomaly and there's always an exception. Uh, you can, you know, you can have like an oops baby very often by, uh, messing around. If you, you know, if you don't want to get pregnant, don't mess around. Let's put it that way. You can get pregnant during any time during your menstrual cycle. All right. And finally, one of the biggest things that I have seen is when people say that the menstrual cycle is only the seven, five to seven days that you bleed. That is untrue. Now, you know, from what we've talked about, the menstrual cycle is all the time. So once a female starts menstruating, even before that, because we can, females can, like I talked about my daughter who hasn't started her period yet, she's still cycling because she still has the moodiness, the PMS, um, the acne that comes and goes, uh, 
even though she's not bleeding yet. So her body is prepping to start her period, but she still kind of is cycling. She's, I really do believe that she's already in that menstrual phase. Um, and we're just waiting for it all the way up until post menopause. So menopause is begins when you are in menopause, it is one year after the first day of your last bleed. That's what designates being, uh, done having your period, but the female hormones, even though you don't bleed female hormones, keep going and keep producing as they slow down. It's not just like one and done. Suddenly I'm not producing estrogen or progesterone again. No, like they slow down. It's like slow breaks to the stoplight. So even though the light has turned red, I'm still 300 yards away and I have to slow down. It's not just like I slammed on the brakes. And so there's this give and take between both sides of that menstrual cycle. Um, but I think that we need to create a very healthy understanding that the menstrual cycle for most females is their whole entire life from, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11, all the way into their fifties and sixties. And then post menopause, like, yes, I understand that's done, but, and we can talk about that a little bit later, but we really need to take away that stigma and that inability to talk about this freely, because again, 49% of our population has those hormones in their bodies. And wouldn't it be lovely if we could embrace it and embrace the superpowers of it so that there isn't this negative stigma about it. And that we work together male and female to, uh, bring two individual genders together that are whole to be able to hold up the world's culture and the world's expectations so much better than only one type of person holding that up. So I love the idea of, of embracing both men and women and their biochemistries and working together where we can fill in the gaps, uh, when we have weakness and we can also bring our strengths to the table. So remember it's all the time. All right. So the menstrual cycle is a natural process and it's part of being a female. And then we have, so that we talked a little bit more about what this normally looks like, but now we can go into, uh, abnormalities and start talking about, okay, what if dot, 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 okay, I'm missing dot, dot, dot. And then we can then have discussions about how to utilize tools and how to get you back into a quote unquote normal range for your body. Um, there's nothing to be shamed of. And when it comes to talking about your period, uh, if you have any questions or concerns about your menstrual cycle, talk to your doctor, but also understand that they might have limited understanding. Uh, people menstru menstruating females have not been really researched very much. And I love this new science and this new, uh, synergy that is happening in the science world and females where they want to know more. And we want to know more. Why are women like they are? And I think as we come to that understanding, we'll be able to, um, then better educate doctors and stuff. But just remember you have to go in as your own advocate, uh, having your knowledge and then using theirs, but only, only looking at a doctor, I got to be careful what I say, right? I'm not a doctor. I understand that. 
And I understand that I have not, um, you know, gone through that education to receive a doctorate degree. However, I do feel like when I go into the doctor, I'm willing to listen to them. I'm open to what they have to say, but I am going to only take what feels right and true for me at this time so that I don't overwhelm and stress myself out, especially when it comes to premenstrual disorders and dealing with that condition. It's such a touchy and, um, emotional disorder that I want to make sure that I'm only growing as much as I can handle and not necessarily going into complete overload. Now, with that being said, there are times when we do need to have complete overload. And that's going to be, again, trusting your gut instinct, making sure you're doing all that you can outside of that doctor's office in nutrition and exercise and sleep and stress management to know that when the doctor suggests what they suggest that you can follow that. So remember, there's lots of different ways. And always, if you want to hit me up with a consultation or with coaching, like this is what I love to do. <laughs> so I so appreciate you guys joining me today. I'm looking forward to the podcast of the next couple of weeks coming up. There's some great material in there. And as we just dive into this, we are really going to hit on uh, female biochemistry and the love that you can grow to have and the superpower that it truly is. All right. See you guys next week. Thanks for listening to listen and know. I hope you found this episode helpful and informative. Also, if you know someone who might benefit from this information and these ideas, please share this podcast and send people to the Adagio Fit website and Instagram account where there are more resources, past podcast episodes, and the ability to coach with me. Also, if you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover, please let me know. I want to remind you that you are not alone. Millions of women around the world suffer from PMDs, and there is help available. If you are struggling, please reach out to your doctor or a mental health professional. There are also many online resources available, such as my website, adagiofit.com, the Premenstrual Disorders Association website, pmda.org, or the International Association for Premenstrual Disorders, iapmd.org. Remember, help is personal and possible. You are not alone. Thank you for listening. Please note, this podcast is in no way to replace your primary care health doctor. I am not a doctor or a professional, and I ask that you consult with yours before you make any significant health changes. Thanks.